Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, aka Red Sox Dugout, alongside Joey Nagel and Garrett Jacobs Meyer back in person. How are we doing, boys? Very good. Wonderfully. Very good. Much nice different to energy you. to this episode than the last one, I can tell you that. Um, Trevor Story. Where are the haters now? Where are the haters? Six for 15 in the series against the Mariners with five home runs, 13 RBIs. He had that three-homer game, hit another homer, had a grand slam. Why not? The dude is living up to his contract right now, and it's coming at a great time for the Red Sox, too. Absolutely. To everyone who said Trevor Story was the next Carl Crawford, the next Pablo Sandoval, the next bust, where are you? What do you have to say now? Yeah. <laughs> he literally played one month with us, and everyone was like, this dude's a bust. Like, people wanted to send him down to AAA. And I'm like, we just gave him 140 million, 160 million. I forget which. Like, you're not sending him down. He is a very, very good baseball player. Um, like, he's not just some platoon second baseman here. We signed him to be a, a star on this team, and he is kind of showing that. Yeah, I'm still kind of good at this. He just can't stop hitting homers. Yep. And that's it all started after his first home run. I feel like that's when he got the monkey off of his back because he went the first yeah. like three and a half weeks of the season without a home run. He had the game with the four strikeouts, and everyone was on his back. Like Dan Shaughnessy was, was, you know, like talking crap about him, writing all as these articles as he does. And he hits that first home run in Atlanta, and it's like it's been nonstop after that. He's turned the page. He's now second on the Red Sox and homers with seven. He's top ten Very in fast. MLB and RBI. Very quickly. <laughs> My favorite thing about him is that man's got some energy, too. I remember yeah. I was at the game, and I got to watch him hit that home. I was at the game Friday night, and he popped one over the monster. Absolutely smoked the ball. And you get to watch him up on the screen, the big old screen at Fenway, and the guy is, like, elated. He runs down. He gets a little low when he starts running. He like He's peering over the monster, seeing yeah. if it goes. He's like His arms are out. He's scooting down. He sees it go. And he's like, oh, no, man, that was fun to watch. Uh, something about that guy's energy really makes me excited. I'm not going to lie to you. It was a little bit disappointing when I saw him rolling down with the shopping cart and the money when the Red Sox stunk. And now that the Red Sox are a little bit better, I can kind of get behind that because I love watching that guy. <laughs> I love watching that excitement. It made me really happy to see that, especially my man on the big screen running down. Pretending he's an airplane or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I love his energy. That was pretty cool. He that was pretty cool. Baseball. That made me really happy. So. <clears throat> That's huge. Is when you you know you're playing well when the players start getting hyped up like that. Um, the the whole like shopping cart thing or laundry cart home run celebration works way better when we're not horrible. So it's good to see that that's actually a fun thing now. Um, yeah, are those real hundred dollar bills? They I was be, wondering right? that. No, they they got to condos you, out there. No, you can't. You can't like free. You can't forge money. So that it's yeah, like it was you Trevor know movies. Story. Like movies have to use actual. I mean money. I feel like they probably have enough money where they can just do that. Well, no, it's Trevor Story hitting the home runs, shooting the money guns. It's definitely all the money from his contract. It's got to be. I mean, he's got 160 million. Yeah, to those play are with. nothing to him. Yeah, <laughs> those are. <laughs> I just thought it was. Do. I think it was great. They um. <laughs> Someone was like picking them up. Like some some reliever was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, man. It was they like they, yeah. they clear the dugout. Tyler Danish. They show like the great the great. He was like flying. Oh no! Money. I and saw Matt like, Barnes. He, I saw yeah, Matt Barnes picking yeah, him up. Yeah, Matt Barnes. But after he stunk, like he went into yeah. the game, stunk, and then they show a clip of him like solemnly picking up these hundred dollar bills from the ground with no one else around him. Yeah, with no one else around him. That was really under. That was really funny. Oh <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt Barnes still sucks. He got the save the other day though. Um, so let's dive into the actual games that happened. We haven't done. We took a little break. Uh, let the Red Sox get hot. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. When, when, when we start talking, when we stop talking about them, they do better. So uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're just so let's anyway. let's uh, <laughs> rewind to that Astros series where we win uh, the series, which is yeah. cool because yep. we weren't really winning series and we won that series against a, a good Astros team, an actual good team. You the argument of oh it's the Mariners beat ever whatever it feels a little bit better that we beat the Astros a little bit too. That's kind of nice. I gotta say that's kind of nice. That's kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a very good game. Um, that oh that's when Story hit his first homer since the Atlanta series. That was his first Fenway homer. So that kind of started everything. The next, the, so we won that game. The next game, we don't need to talk about. <laughs> That's the one where Nathan Avaldi broke a record by giving up five home runs. Um, he only lasted an inning and in two thirds there. It's like batting practice. How he was, was tipping his pitches. Thing? He was like, 
you got to feel helpless when you're out there on the mound. You're throwing these pitches and you just get homer after homer. You're like, what else can I do out here? I, I, I got nothing. <laughs> Take me out. I got nothing today, Alex. And uh, what was the final score of that game, though? 13 to 4? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. There was another game some pitchers stunk, but they actually, like, won it. Or what was that? That about? was the. Um, was that. Saturday's game against the Mariners. Against the Mariners. When we came back down 5 nothing. Yeah, down f- that's Which, what it was. Yeah. Down 5 Which, nothing. Actually, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Let's finish okay, up the right, Astros sorry, sorry, series sorry, sorry, right rubber quick. match. Yeah. I'm a little excited. Um, something kind of significant happened in that last game of the series there. Nicky smooches with a complete game. That does not happen in modern-day baseball. And he goes nine innings, allowing two hits. Can I say he put his wow. nuts on the table? He sure did. Yeah, he yeah. did. I mean... We were talking about a few episodes ago how Nick Pavetta was just awful, and we're, is he going to turn it around? Is he still going to be good? And he has turned it around, like, big time. He has been really, really good in his past few starts. I'm pulling up the stats now, but the fact that he went a c- complete game nine innings, again, against a very good Astros team, I did not see that coming. Like, that reminded me of Rick Porcello. Did not see that coming. Man, come on now. Did not see that coming. Uh, That's like, actually imagine. Yeah, That's imagine, like, yeah. like being like, I, I think Nick, I think he can do that. Like, like before that happened, there's no way. We would have been laughed. We would have laughed at each other. Yeah. Mind-blowing. So, his last three starts, most recently against the Astros, nine innings. He had eight strikeouts in that game. That's he fire. went seven innings against the Rangers, only allowing three hits and one run. And then he went six innings against the White Sox, striking out eight, allowing no runs. So he has been incredible, actually, in his past few starts. And that's something that the Red Sox really needed because we're talking about the rotation depth and how we needed Nick Pavetta. Coming into the season, he was the number two starter, and we needed, obviously, more from him than he provided to start the season. But we expected a lot from him, and he's kind of found his mechanics and, and settled into a groove where he's actually a productive starter now, which is huge for us. Big shout-out Alex Cora as well, because there aren't many managers in today's game that will let a pitcher go start an inning with over 100 pitches, and that's exactly what he let Pavetta do. He started the ninth inning at 102 pitches, and I remember on the broadcast, Pavetta throws his last pitch of the eighth inning, He's fired up, getting off the mound. And then OB is like, and what a night for Nick Pavetta, like as he's walking off, clearly thinking he's done. And I feel like everyone thought he was done because that was like the exclamation point on his start. But Alex Cora had a feel for the game. And, you know, he probably said, like, if this is Nick's game, let him go out and finish it. If he gets in trouble, then you go to the pen. And they had, the, they had a four-run lead, so you have the cushion to do it. And I feel like if you if you trust a starter like that, that not only gets him pumped up, the fans pumped up, but it gets the whole team pumped up because it shows how bought in you are. This team has been sitting waiting for someone to pick up the slack, waiting for someone to jump out and show something. And here we go. We got a couple guys coming through the the fray. We got a couple guys jumping out and significantly like improving, playing up to their potential. It's really, really exciting, and it's motivating for both that player and for everyone else. And I'm I'm hyped. It's motivating for me. Let me go to more Red Sox games and watch these guys exactly. because it's been tough. Like it's been tough. We hate when our team stinks, and and all. Oh my god i'm excited and for just a pitcher the confidence boost reasons let's move forward keep the ship going like man i'm pumped yeah i think it's huge too because it comes after that game directly after that game that nathan avaldi just fell apart and he's supposed to be your ace so to have a performance like that is huge in so many ways um you guys talked about players kind of living up to their potential finally and i think the red Sox are kind of showing that they're a better team than they showed in april we talked about it. Everyone across the, the country, the world, has been talking about the Red Sox. They're better than they've been playing in April. Everyone knew that. Everyone knew that they just had to get a hot stretch and break out and kind of live up to the potential. Like We talked about how they were a better team on paper than they played like. And now they're kind of playing more towards who they should be. And I think one of the most showing stats is the Red Sox offense was 28th in the league in April. They're third in May in the MLB. They brought their average up from 225 to 267. They hit 12 homers in April. They've hit 23 in May. May isn't even over yet. So, yeah, they've kind of broken out as an offense, finally. And, I mean, the pitching was there in April, too, and the pitching's just keep doing... They've just kept doing what they've been doing. Um, And, obviously, Nick Pavetta's gotten better. So, 
I'm liking what I'm seeing from this Red Sox team right now. I mean, let's be clear. That's my expectation. That when I look at that roster and I see those names, that's kind of what I need to see moving forward. Like we Offense. sit, yeah, but we sit in this position and we, we're reacting to how it's been. Like that's my expectation. We should be around that. Like, like it's been disappointing for that fact, but we can't really let them off the hook for the fact that they need to keep that up. Let's keep well, yeah. going. Now it's about consistency. Now, how do we stay this consistent? Stay this productive um as we get deeper into the season can we keep this up also let's be clear here i don't think that after this stretch we're now suddenly like a a primary world series contender we still are under 500 significantly and we still have a lot of ground to make up and a lot of a lot to prove um but i i don't think we went into the season thinking that we're going to be the best team in the league we may have had high expectations (laughs) but i think we were talking before we started recording about how I kind of see them as like a fringe playoff team now. So I, I think the goal in mind isn't win the division. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the goal in mind should be make the playoffs. I don't know, man. Honestly, we haven't seen these other teams. Like, like I'm not saying they're going to go, but we haven't seen the teams in the division. Um, True. It, it, we haven't. We haven't played opinion, the Yankees since it, opening day. In yeah. my opinion, we we don't know exactly where we are in relation to those other teams right now. Yeah. Um, I. You know, baseball teams, it's streaky. Teams are streaky. Teams aren't all that good. The way your schedule goes with, like, it can really determine the trajectory of a team just based on the, the luck of the schedule building. Yeah. Um, and it, it's almost like I need to see how they perform when they get series against the Rays, Blue Jays, Yankees again. Like, yeah, that's absolutely. kind of what I really need to see and I'm excited for. But we haven't really seen it yet. Um, and I don't know if I'm ready to be like, oh, they, they're here in the division, they're there in the division, without actually seeing those head-to-head games. Um, without seeing those head-to-head games now that we've gotten out of this really shaky and kind of odd, stinky streak. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and not to be, like, pessimistic, like we've been on a great stretch right now, but there's still significant holes in this team that oh, yeah. haven't been oh, addressed. Yeah. Like, the only thing that's happening right now is the players who we expected to be good are finally being good, but there's still players like... The bullpen is still a significant problem, especially the back end of the bullpen. We just don't have a closer. And so we kind of rely on our offense to carry our bullpen, carry our team. That wasn't happening to start the season, so now it is happening. And I think the best example is the game yesterday where Franchi hit the walk-off grand slam. We were in that position because Robles blew the save because we don't have a defined closer. I'm not going to pin that totally on Robles because we don't have a defined closer, (laughs) but like that is an example of how we still have a gap like our offense can only carry us so much like a complete team doesn't have that problem well yesterday they won their first game in extra innings and prior to that they were 0-6 and in every in all six of those games they had a lead in the eighth inning yeah that says a lot yeah, this has been a problem forever. We've talked about it forever on this podcast since we started. This podcast has been like the main talking point that's always come up every season. It really kind of has. <laughs> it really has. <laughs> it really has. We don't have a closer. We don't have a good bullpen um, in high leverage situations. And until that problem is addressed, I don't think that your expectations can be too too high for this team. It's going to keep biting you over and over and over until you address it. And again, your offense can only carry you so much. Um, and now that our rotation is a little bit weaker than it has been in years past, that is an added weakness to this team that I think makes them more of a fringe playoff team than a real competitor for the division. Um, but those problems can be fixed when you get Paxton and Sale back, when you shift some guys around, um, and obviously the trade deadline, you can trade for some pieces. Uh, also, I want to shout out one reliever who's been really good for us. Coming up from the minors is John Schreibner. Johnny Scribbles. Scribbles has been killing it. And when we interviewed Ryan Fitzgerald, he, he kind of pinned uh, Scriber? Schreiber? Schreiber. Schreiber. As like a funny guy in the clubhouse. There's nothing funny about a, a zero ERA in 10 <laughs> games. That's incredible. <laughs> that is awesome. And a 048 whip. Um, he Pretty got a nasty. save a couple series ago, too. So you love to see that. Um, so he could be a good piece in this bullpen. But a, a guy I want to talk about is Garrett Whitlock. We've talked about it before. He has not been great as a starter. Um, and we know how he is in the bullpen. So it brings up the question again, where does Garrett Whitlock belong? And I still think it's in the bullpen. Yep. Yeah. I, For I, this again, year. Again, these extra innings games that we've been losing um, – and all these blown saves and blown leads, I feel like Garrett Whitlock is just a solution to so many of those. It's not crazy to say that 
for those six extra inning games that you lost with a lead in the eighth inning in every single one, it's not crazy to say that you win every single one of them if Garrett Whitlock is coming out of the bullpen in those. Even if you don't win every single one of them, even if you win half, you're still over 500 and better than the Blue Jays. Yep. And the scariest thing to me is when you have a guy that goes out there and you change him, you arbitrarily say you are good at what you're doing, let's completely change it. It really kind of doesn't help a guy's confidence, and it really kind of doesn't feel good moving forward. And even if you do move him back in the bullpen, it's almost like you still screwed him up. He still is carrying that baggage. It's worrying because obviously if you start to... If the, you start to stink, you feel worse. Yeah, and, then and you with, get moved back, and you're like, ah, like that's not good. With that same exact logic, that's what happened to Tanner Houck too. Oh, absolutely. He was good in yep. the rotation. They moved him to the bullpen, and now he hasn't really been that good. When you move things around like that, when you, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they've been trying yeah. to tinker too much with those guys who just shouldn't be tinkered with. I think that's kind of hurting the team right now. I hope that at some point Garrett Whitlock ends up in the bullpen again because, like, it's not a demotion. It's just where he's used best. It's where you win the most games. Um, so that's that's a move I want them to make. One thing that I wanted to talk about, too, I saw something about this on MLB Network, is when you get Chris Sale and James Paxton back, you're going to have some options about what to do. And I, Mark DeRosa was talking about this a little bit on the network. What about moving Chris Sale to the bullpen when he comes back and using him in high-leverage spots? Like, you've had a bullpen problem, a closer problem. Chris Sale is nasty. And with his injury issues, maybe a, a shorter role for him, like less innings, could be good for him, good for us. And, I mean, he closed out the World Series in 2018. Seems yep. like he can be a pretty he good closer. The, the biggest thing for me is understanding, and I need that front office to understand, and I need a lot of Red Sox to understand that, in my opinion, you just cannot count on Chris Sale to become a a consistent starter like at all. You can't all bank on him ever. to be your ace. And and yeah, no. and even and even if he comes out and not even an ace, I, I don't bank on him to stay like an elf if every five day guy. I genuinely don't. And even if he surprises me Still, you shouldn't have the mindset that he's going to be. It seems so unlikely that he's going to do that. Yeah, and you that have no reason to believe that. But and, and the reason that you that that's an important distinction to make, like he could still do that, right? Like we understand he still could. It's important to understand that the expectation should not be that because it determines how you move around your other pieces. Yeah. And when you when you say, oh, I, I'm, this guy's going to come in, he's going to be every, once every five day guy, he can't do it. He's he's injured all the time. He will not be able to do that, in my opinion. And and you need to understand that because when you understand that. You you can make your decisions based on that. I need fans. I need that front office to get that. Like you just can't count on him, not to be not to be that role. So it's not that crazy to be like, oh, he can be the closer. He can be in the in the bullpen because you you really can't count on him to be a, a starter every five days. And even if you do like put him out there every five days, he's not going more than four or five innings. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point too. Like in in it still handicaps your team if you put him in that yeah. way. So let's let's. Let's admit that. Like, know that swallow the the contract. Like, swallow all that money you gave to him. I know it stinks, but still, the here and now matters. Winning games matters. You you can admit you're wrong and still use him for to great advantage. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be permanent. Like, you can just do it for this year. It doesn't have to be permanent. He he's he's not healthy. He's yeah. not healthy. He needs time he to become been. healthy. He hasn't been. You can't have faith in him becoming it with just arbitrarily. Like, we know this guy has just a, is a funky dude. He, Everything about him's funky. His injury, like you know, he's pitchers. These guys who throw so weirdly, they get banged up. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of questions that come up with with Sale coming back and Paxton as well. Um, the first thing that I thought hearing this idea was that what's going to happen to Garrett Whitlock as a result of this? Because is Paxton going to go back into the rotation coming off of Tommy John? Is Sale going to go back into the rotation? If one of them does. Who comes out of the rotation? Could that be Rich Hill? Could could he take on like a piggyback role of Sale, which I wouldn't like personally? No. Or do you stay with Rich Hill in the rotation, Tanner Hout, piggybacking him or vice versa? Or, it, in my opinion, I think that James Paxton should go into the rotation. Um, he's not going to go more than four or five innings as well because he's coming off of Tommy John. But right. then you have piggyback options in the bullpen. If you move Whitlock, if you keep Sale in the bullpen, if you move those two to the bullpen and put Paxton in that empty rotation spot, then you have three guys coming out of the bullpen who can piggyback. You have Garrett Whitlock, 
who can be your closer if needed. And I feel like it just balances things a lot more. And obviously, the, if you put Sale in the bullpen, the the headlines in the Boston newspapers are going to be the Red Sox are paying $25 million a year for a closer or for a I reliever. would do that. I for don't, a normal closer, I don't care. I'd do that. <laughs> if, if it means Chris Sale can get the job done or if Chris Sale can just eat innings and shut them down the way Garrett Whitlock has done in his career coming out of the bullpen and allow and set up Whitlock to get the saves, I, I think that's a perfect idea for this season. Yeah, I mean, when you throw out all the contracts and the names and the reputations, if you look at pure stuff, Chris Sale probably has the most electric and unhittable stuff, him and Garrett Whitlock both. So I want one of them in the bullpen at least. That'd be ideal because you have Nathan Avaldi, Nick Pavetta, and Michael Walker for sure staying in the rotation. Then you, you don't know what you're going to do with Whitlock and Hill, Paxton, Sale, what combination you want of those. I think Paxton's definitely going to be in the rotation. Um, and then so who do you rather have in the bullpen, Rich Hill or Garrett Whitlock? Rich Hill doesn't really bring too much out of the bullpen, I feel like. Garrett Willock brings a ton out of the bullpen. Um, so I, I think you have to kind of throw out what the newspaper headline's going to be and all that kind of stuff and just go based off what's going to win you the most games. And I, I think that's either Garrett Willock or Chris Sale being in the bullpen. The the contract thing with Chris, Chris Sale is – that's what everyone's going to talk about. I it mean, doesn't how, how matter. It really it? doesn't. The, yeah, the fact of the matter is you did swing and miss. Like, deal with it, whatever. Already, yeah. Like, yeah, that's already. already you, you have to – you can't keep, like you, – it would just be so silly for them to continue to – because they were wrong, like try and make it better. Like just, just admit you're wrong now and and change the way you move forward. Like I, I know yeah. it stinks how much money we paid him, and I know he's not doing exactly what we need him to be doing right now. Just admit you made a mistake and realize that he can be useful to win games now. He can be useful to win games this year. So let's let's do it. Can I we- mean, it's it's better to have him winning you games as a closer than not doing anything on the injured list, which he's doing right now. Yeah, like, and I feel like I, it's just and an you stick him out there and you pretend he's a starter, he'll be right back on that injured list, in my opinion. And that's just the way it yeah, is. Yeah, and it's just so not it's all, help you, you almost are just screwing yourself over doubly. Like it. Yeah, I mean, David Price has a huge contract, and he's been in the bullpen with the Dodgers, doing great. So, yeah. well, I we're think- we're paying him. True, we are <laughs> we are paying for that. Aren't, after this year, we're good. After yeah, this year, yeah, gone. yeah. Hey, but um, I mean, yeah, th- it's been done. It can happen. I it's think whatever it's you want him on the field. You want to maximize what you can get out of Chris Sale, and I don't care about the money, and I don't think you really should at this point. Just think about that Let arm angle, that arm angle, that slider coming out of the bullpen in the ninth. Those blown saves are going to go away. Regardless yeah. of how he is from a health standpoint, I feel like he can do one inning very well. What's his timetable right now? He's playing catch again. Yeah. Um, he had a non-baseball setback. I don't know what that is. Maybe the wind was too um, strong one day or no, something. No, apparently it was some mental health thing with Chris Sale because oh. remember what he said at spring training? He said he forgot he was even a pitcher again. Oh. Uh, he was even a pitcher. Yeah. So, like, clearly Tommy John put him in a dark place, and I hope Sale's doing better. But, like, that kind of shows you how – what? Yeah. Yeah, like I Tommy John took sense. such a toll on him that he was just messed up. But that just goes to show how how much he cares about winning games and obviously there's no one it hurts more than him not being out on the field. He yeah. wants to be there. What, what do you what is a not not like non non baseball so it's not like he was no, no, throwing no, no, I know, it was a non medical set not medical too yeah. yeah how do you have a setback like i don't set, know like, he probably needed a, a couple days to i don't like, know maybe he just went off schedule for what he was supposed to be doing yeah i don't, I don't know. know but your arm's still healing i get out uh, or you're off schedule oh so you still it's need not to hit. his arm it's, it's his yeah, other yeah, injury yeah yeah but you yeah i know all right you still need to hit those but he's been playing catch again which makes sense that's always a good sign for guys like that can we talk about the mariner series yeah let's actually keep going with that mariner series game one this was a four game series we won uh twelve to six, not bad there. What so, happened in that game? Um Trevor Story hit a homer and then he hit another homer and then he hit another homer. Uh pretty oh. good. Pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Love to see that. Rich Hill was bad, but it doesn't matter. He was tipping pitches. Um Tanner Howe came in, did a great job cleaning that up. But yeah, so JD Martinez went four for five. He's looked good. Verdugo He's looked went three good. for five. It's and then Story went four for four with uh, three homers and seven RBIs. How about that? <laughs> uh, he also had a walk in that game too. So that's one thing I like about Trevor Story is not only is he just hitting homers, he steals bases, he gets walks. 
I believe uh, he's probably. I'm just guessing. He's probably leading the Red Sox in stolen bases. I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Clearly, he is five. Next closest is Bogey with two. Well, the rest of the team is five combined. Yeah, the whole team. <laughs> the Red Sox have ten stolen bases. Trevor Story has half of those. <laughs> yeah. So you love to see that, especially because like actually a whole new part of this offense. Exactly. Like, really, this team really was helpful. not stealing bases before, so that yeah. brings a, a great um, aspect to the team. But yeah, three homers, seven RBIs. See you later. Next game, seven to three. Sox win that one. Yeah, that was that. That was the game I was at the Friday night. Uh, and, and what happened in that one? What did Mr. Yeah. Story yeah. do? Trevor Story hit an absolute moonshot over the monster, if I remember correctly. Um, How many people were on no, base? No, no, not over the monster. To the monster. To were the monster, bases though. unloaded or were they loaded? Were there ducks on the pond? Oh, Jesus, bro. I, oh, I don't Is remember. It? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, man, <laughs> I was excited. I'm sorry. I And who caught that grand slam? <laughs> Johnny Gomes. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was so funny in the stadium yeah. seeing that guy. They kept cutting to him on the big screen. That was really, he really was funny. so yeah. And to have that special... Oh, oh my God, yeah. yeah. And to have that little connection... Uh, I don't Unreal. Know. Something uh, special. Something was super special about that. They kept showing him, and every time they showed him, he would just go. <laughs> not awesome. not to get ahead of <laughs> ourselves awesome. here, but that moment would be on the World Series DVD. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, and then JBJ. JBJ had one two in that game. Towards yeah. the end of the game. And, yeah. and so I was sitting next to my friend who's never been to a Red Sox game before. And she was like, oh, you know, you have Red Sox podcast, do all your stuff, talk your stuff. So I'm like, yeah, JB Gay gets up. He he um he came to the game late. JB Gay didn't start that game. Comes right. The game late. Um, pinch hit. And I'm like, oh, JBJ's not all that good, but but he has been much better this season He's than I expected. He's insane at Fenway um, for some reason. And and as soon as I say that, oh, <laughs> oh my God, oh, let's go, JBJ. That was really fun. Um, that was really special. Yeah, that was huge too because at that yeah. point it was still a close game. And yeah, that three no, it run homer a, blew it open. It was open. still a close game. It, it, yeah, that, it was that a one run right game. There. Yeah, that ended it right there. Um, one little, <laughs> one little thing from the game. Twice that game, Red Sox players like ran into each other catching pop ups. Oh yeah, that Xander play. Yeah, Xander play. That, that was, was scary. That was bad and scary. He ended up okay, but I think he came out of that game. He did. Yeah, yeah. I forget who went in. He for like him. was close to breaking his arm. Yeah, like that could have been really bad. Looked really bad. Yeah. Like he went. He had a full arm. Guys, extended. just call it. Be like, I got yeah. it. I got it. Like, and then in, not- in right <laughs> field, another play. Yeah. Um, was the same way. Yeah, they, they got way too close. Got to clean. That, that was kind of ugly and a little spooky. I don't really know what was up with that. Yeah, but I mean, back to Trevor's story real quick. You hit three homers and then you follow it up the next day with a grand slam. Like, that's oh, just yeah, insane. okay. What am I talking about? Of course, I remember. Who was <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just okay. absolutely Man, that wild. was exciting. I just remember his face. Like, I just remember how excited he was running down the first base. Yeah, like, that yeah, was exactly. High. It reminded me of that. Um, and and I this is horrible for me to say because that that. What I'm going to talk about was so iconic, but it reminded me of that, like the end of that, what 14 or whatever pitch Mookie at bat. Oh, yeah. You know yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. I'm talking about? Where he then actually like connects with the homer, knows it was iconic, yeah. and he like bounces down first base and then turns and like I can like, see that. Yeah, just it's story, time to party. Like, it was like, did it go? It's gonna go. It's gonna go. Oh, he went and then he's he's off. Oh, that was really fun to watch. Yeah. So yeah. I'll um, take the next game, game three of the series. <clears throat> the Red Sox <laughs> were down five nothing. Ah. Sad. Oh no. Oh. Game over. But that's what so was the tough. final score? We have we lost it, right? We had to, right? Yeah. When five you're down nothing, five nothing, like, come on, like that, because not even a grand slam can tie the game. <laughs> yeah. Not even Franchi can take care of that one. Yeah. yeah. So what happened? <laughs> type 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 type. Let's look it up. What? What? Six to five socks. Hey yo. Socks win. Hey yo. What? Hey yo. <laughs> That's right. What? That's right. That's right. <laughs> the Red Sox came back. Yeah. <laughs> That's a game in April that you would have lost for sure. Oh, yeah. uh, you would have oh, lost ten nothing. Yeah. yeah. It would have even worse. Team what was up. huge in that game was when it was tied at five in the bottom of the eighth, and I absolutely loved seeing this. Franchi hits the triple. Yeah, how about that? That ball was absolutely smoked. He probably dented it. One out triple. And what does Christian Vasquez do next at bat? He doesn't try to do too much. He just tries to put the ball in play, and he sends one off the wall, driving in the game-winning run. Yeah, that's something that does not happen. They really haven't. The situational just do what you need to do hasn't uh-huh. been there. And I've like, been giving yeah. Christian Vasquez a lot of hate, but yeah. he had a really good at bat. He's, he's been, been he's been great. He's lately. been back. He's always been a good situational hitter, and he was not doing that in April. He's gone back to that in May. And that's just exactly what you want to see out of the bottom of the lineup. And 
Speaking of the bottom of the lineup, you found Franchi. He's playing really yeah. well. Don't he's taking that. He's, been he's your starting first baseman. And, like, not <laughs> even to touch me. Off. Fire me up, <laughs> yeah. Franchi. Fire me up, Franchi. Like, who honestly? else is at yeah. the bottom on, of the lineup? Jackie Bradley Jr. What's Jackie doing right now? Hitting 200, which is great for him. But he has 24 <laughs> hits on the season. 12 of them are extra base hits, which yeah, is very it seems interesting. seems like all of his hits are just He's top bases. 10 in the American League in doubles. That's very, very interesting. And Kike. Wait, real quick about JBJ. At home at Fenway, he's betting 309. Yeah. That's so In strange. 19 games. I mean, w- when you have a, when he's you going have a- the other way at home. That's the big thing. It's really weird. It's And it's not even that he's putting them off the wall. He's just beating the shift, and he can only seem to do it at home. But yeah, we'll I, take I it. mean, I'll take it. He's been incredible. It's at home. the home cooking, yeah. and and it's important to understand that these guys are are being used not as like everyday starters. Like JBJ being able to like a plug and play kind of guy and perform like that. That's even more exciting. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to almost deal with the expectation of he's going to stink all the time out there. It's really exciting that Cora has these pieces that to move around, to be flexible with. And he's kind of figured out how to use them best. Too. Oh, absolutely. And that's 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 a huge reason that they're hitting well. And it, it's Cora's, you know, he, he has those pieces, he moves them around himself, and it's exciting to see that that's working out. Yeah. I feel like the bottom of the lineup in the past two weeks have really found their identity because like, they're the bottom of the lineup for the reason. Most of the time, they're not going to get on base. Like, the three of them Franchi, JBJ, and Vasquez, they're all around 200 hitters right now, which isn't very good. But in the situations where they need to get the job Vasquez done... Vasquez is 250. Wow. That's surprising. Yeah. He's been playing a lot better than I thought he was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, still, like, they're starting to produce. They're cutting down on the strikeouts. Uh, last week, Franchi had a game with, like, what, three or four walks, was it? Yeah. So he's yeah he, getting on base. Is he's huge. putting together really good at bats. The numbers aren't quite there just yet, but he's putting together really good at bats. He's taking pitches. He's not striking out on three pitches anymore. And when he puts the ball in play, every single time it's scalded. Also, like, Christian Vasquez is batting three fifty in his past seven games. That is really interesting. Really yeah. impressive. Very yeah. So I mean, the, when bottom, the bottom of the lineup, lineup is, is hot, producing. and guess what? You're winning games. Yeah, you're also, coming through. You're scoring runs. Yeah, with the walks and the patience, like being a star player and not being able to perform all that well, like we've kind of seen. You get antsy. You know, the, and the Red Sox obviously would get antsy. They're like, I need to, I need to hit, I need to hit. They were getting way too aggressive. Um, this new kind of wave of confidence. You'll you'll start seeing those walks. Those at bats will get better. They have been. Yeah. Um, but and you don't have to worry about this like crazy expectation where the whole team's like, oh man, someone's got to break out, someone's got to break out. Like it, it almost, in my opinion, should help the team have those longer at bats when you have a little bit more confidence in you. Um, and I think that's kind of happened. I think they're less less antsy to really make a pop, um, and it's it's worked out for them. The vibes have changed, and you can tell. Yeah. Like everyone's a lot more comfortable now because they don't have to do try to do too much that's it they're trying to do too much that's Absolutely. what they were doing the entire first month and it was really a snowball effect because when things got bad they got worse and worse and worse and everyone was just feeling bad and um the only reason we are where we are now is because alex core shaved his beard obviously but <laughs> yeah, um, huge yep yep but like you can tell everyone's a lot more comfortable and it I don't know. They kind of like, found their identity. They have, like. and Story has moved back huge. down to six in the lineup, which is really helping um, the bottom of the lineup, in my opinion, because he's getting on base every time, it, it feels like. Yeah, between Story moving down, and then we talked about, you talked about Cordero, Vasquez, and JBJ kind of producing in the bottom of the lineup. That's huge for us because you know Devers, JD, and Bogarts are going to produce, and all three of them are batting over 330. So they've been producing big time. Uh, JD hit 583 in this series against the Mariners. That yeah. got, that is getting Unreal. overlooked yeah. because he didn't hit five home oh, runs. Another thing overlooked: the game we're talking about, Game Three against Seattle, Devers hit two homers. Let's not forget about that. Oh yeah, he yeah. Did. I, we we forget about it because we expect him to be that good, yeah. but he has been that good, and it's it's it's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, unreal. it's unreal. It really is. Yeah, he leads the Red Sox in homers with nine. He's got 24 RBIs, 335 average. He's been incredible. JD has been absolutely insane too, which I get. I, I think people aren't realizing because he's not hitting a ton of homers, but 350 average is pretty good. People have been sleeping on JD since 2020 when he had the down year. Yeah, yeah, but he's like still he one is of the hitting best a, a in the game. very quiet 350. No he one has, is talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, also, also, oh, 
Sorry. No, go ahead. Um, just like a little thing, when the Red Sox were stinking, this the, the the narrative changes. You get you get a lot of talk about like Bogey's contract. You get that weird report that comes out yeah, about who's going to get traded. Like, the deadline. like like so when the team stinks, you get stuff like that. It's demotivating. It's no fun as a fan to have all this negativity. When you start winning games, you realize that that stuff doesn't really matter all that much. And the media is just trying to fill that stinky hole with something more interesting than the Red Sox lost another game. Yeah. Um, when this team starts winning games, we're not going to have this depressing aura of oh, but Bogarts doesn't have a contract like still i understand like go go get him a contract but that's another little snowball effect like because when the media starts asking a thousand questions about mogards where's your contract it's like it's not helpful for the team in any way yeah um and it's it is a snowball effect those things build off bounce off of each other um and i'm it's nice to have that not the number one thing that we're talking about yeah and then game four of the series the final game that was yesterday there is a lot to talk about in this game first of all i'd like to start with nathan avaldi in his start after the time where he gave up five homers, he comes back out six and two thirds, eleven punchies, eleven strikeouts, which is huge. And he allowed another homer, but it's fine. Only two it was earned a, runs. It was a pesky shot. Yeah, a little stupid. Hey, whatever. Two earned runs. Two earned runs. Eleven. That's eleven yeah, strikeouts. He was yeah, fantastic. I'll take that, yeah. man. And then um, Arroyo, who wasn't originally in the lineup, but then he ended up being in the lineup because JD had back problems. Hits a homer. Why not? Uh, Trevor Story uh, hit another homer. How about that? Pretty so sweet. So that's huge for us. And then we go into the ninth with the lead. Robles going for a five-out save as well, which yeah, is kind of getting dumb. overlooked. I was yeah. watching that game, and I, I saw him pitching the eighth. I see him come back for the ninth. I'm like, why is he pitching another inning? Why are we doing this? We have a one-run lead. Like, put someone else out there. Robles isn't even, like, the defined closer, so it doesn't even make sense. That that move made no sense. I wouldn't say I that I wasn't it. uncomfortable though, because I, I do trust Robles to an extent. I, I trust like, him too, but not to pitch that much. I think his yeah, pitch count to, was low. You're yeah, asking, pitch count yeah. was low too. But it's which still is why they probably made that move. But it's still, high like, stress outs. Coming in for another inning is different than coming in to shut down the game. Yeah. So, uh, that wasn't great. Um, we blow the save, and then we go in extra innings. You know how the Red Sox are in extra innings. They're like, oh no, so this isn't gonna go well. The Mariners even score in the tenth. So, um, were we losing at that point? Yes. Yeah. We tied it up. And yes, then, yes. 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 And then right. Vasquez okay. scored the winning run. Okay, I'm caught up. But they decided not to give it to us. But he clearly. Oh was yeah. Safe. Oh yeah. All right. So here's how this inning goes. So Vasquez right off the bat singles to get on base. Bobby Dahlbeck, who is the uh, ghost runner or whatever it's called, moves to third. Then Kike <laughs> with the. With a clutch single to drive in Bobby Dahlbeck um, to tie the game. And then there's a whole challenge and all that, blah, blah, blah. They intentionally walk Xander Bogarts to get to Trevor Story, which was a wild move in my opinion. Yeah, that's Based crazy. on how <laughs> Trevor Story was hitting in that series. But Trevor Story doesn't hit a homer. Um, and then it comes down to Franchi Cordero with the bases loaded. He has a great at-bat. And then, boom, launches a grand slam to walk it off. Walk-off four-game sweep on a grand slam. It doesn't get better than that. That is just incredible. That was the most excited I've heard OB in a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, and Kevin Euclid yeah. was great Love that you. call, you, too. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that everything just worked perfectly in that game. Franchi Cordero was batting fifth in that game for us, too. Um, and, yeah, he was 0 for 4 in the game, and then, <laughs> boom, hits the grand slam to... I mean, <laughs> their plane ride to Chicago was definitely a happy flight. I can tell oh, you yeah. that. And shout out to them for wearing the Celtics gear. Yes. Uh, go yes, Celtics. That was great. I love, um, who was it? It was Austin Davis and Tanner Houck in the full, yeah, full uniform uniforms. with the shorts and stuff. I, I really, really, really like when the Boston teams actually support other Boston teams. Oh, it's the um, best. Yeah. It's like a, but, but it really makes me annoyed when, like, Oh, who was it? I used to get so mad at uh, uh the he went he went to the Knicks the uh the shooter the 
point guard that Kemba? went to the next Kemba. Kemba wears Yankee hat. Oh all yeah, the time. yeah, yeah. yeah. It made me so mad just because, like, dude, you could wear any hat in the world. Just why would you do that to your fan base? Just like buy in, in a Boston. little bit. Yeah. Like Boston, we're rooting yeah. for you because we like it's fun. We think it's fun. Like I get it. It doesn't matter all that much to you, but just buy in a slight bit. No, nope, that's it's really, exactly why he stunk with the Celtics. Like, exactly. I don't why. know, man. I but mean, it, look it, at Trevor Story. <laughs> Trevor Story has no affiliation to Boston. He's from Texas, and he's out there wearing a Celtics jersey. Because on the it's, it's because you you're doing it for the fans because you understand that all of this is for entertainment. It's wonderful. Like go support the other team. It fires your fan base up. So like Kemba, that made me so mad. You talk about a happy flight. You know how happy that flight must have been because I saw. On one of the pictures the Red Sox posted, I saw, I think it was Tyler Danish. He was on cooler duty. He was, <laughs> he was pulling one of those suitcase coolers onto the bus. And you have an off day the day after? Oh, my <laughs> God. Talk about a happy flight to Chicago. Yeah. yeah. The vibes are high. Yeah. They're, they definitely have, like, a good team chemistry going, too. I yep. love how Austin Davis has been very involved in all of it. Um, also, I'd like to apologize to Austin Davis. I've been kind of hard on him, kind of grouping him together with some of the worst players on the team, but he's been sneaky good for us. Mm-hmm. He is sporting a 1.96 ERA this season in 18 games and a 115 whip. He's been actually really, really good for us. So I'm sorry for kind of uh, trashing on you. Um, you've been great, and you've got two holds, and that's wow. Yeah, you've been good. So shout out you, and I, I like that you've. I don't know why I'm talking to him like he's listening to this, but he, he could be. He could be. He could hey, be. I, don't know. I love he you, Austin love you, Davis. Austin Davis. But shout out Austin Davis for just being a great team guy. He was out there um, after the Grand Slam. He was in all the pictures right in there, and he was—he's been a good team guy. Look at him right there, right there. Get involved with Trevor Story and Franchi Cordero. Oh, I liked seeing. Well, um, I liked seeing Jemai. I liked seeing Jemai get oh, hit yeah. by the water. Jemai yeah, wore that. that. <laughs> yeah, Jemai just wore that. That um, took it like a champ. That Gatorade cooler dump. It completely missed Franchi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like Jemai hit the walk off. It pretty. Yeah. It looked like it. It looked like it. I'm always gonna. I'm always gonna love Jemai. That was pretty yeah. fun to watch. Me too. That that was great. Um, and yeah, again, Kevin Euclid in the booth is electric. I'm also loving Will Middlebrooks on the pregame postgame. That's been really cool to see. He's been pretty funny. Um, was, was Middlebrooks the one that that made the reporter leave back in the back in the day? Jenny Dell's wife. Yeah, yeah his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then she had to leave. That that's funny. Yeah. I remember him yeah. for that. That was pretty goofy. Uh, I love Bill Middlebrooks. <laughs> um, and yeah. the dynamic between him and then Jim Rice Jenny is just like polar opposite. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, you got old school and new wave. Yeah, but it, it works perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's exactly what you should have on a pregame show, in my yeah. opinion. So Nesson's been kind of killing it with the guys. Like, oh, yeah, also, and Kevin Millar in the Texas series. Yeah, was awesome. I love Kevin Millar. I really hope that they use him more and more and more. Um, he made OB seem funny because he would just start <laughs> cracking up at everything he said because he was just a fun guy. Um, yeah. So the Red Sox, happy flight, happy time right now to be a Red Sox fan. And if you want to go to these games and experience some of the fun for yourself, SeatGeek is the place for you. SeatGeek is the best ticket provider out there for all sports, concerts, shows, and more. They make buying tickets easy by grading every ticket price so you know you're getting the best deal. And they provide a view from your seat so you can pick the perfect seats to any event. And guess what, folks? You can get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek by using the promo code DUGOUT. That's D-U-G. O-U-T. Get out there. You might want to see the socks. You, you might, might not. You might want to. Student nines be taken up by bots and 10-year-olds. Get some seat <laughs> yeah. tickets and go. It really has been making me mad. I'm not even lying to you. Bots and 10-year-olds have been eating those things, and it really makes me mad. So if you want to go to a game, I do. Just I use SeatGeek because you're you. guaranteed your tickets. Exactly. SeatGeek. Get out there. Uh, questions? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do them. Um, I'm glad I got to get that in there because student <laughs> nines used to be amazing, and now way too many... Either it's way, such a cool idea. Like, <clears throat> it's so fun. It's not the same though. Like I remember, I used to be able to get tickets in Newton. Like every game, I'd be getting the notifications. It's a little anyway. It's a little different now. Well, I've but still the ne- problem. Never the problem with the student it. nines is you don't have to prove that you're actually in college. Uh, yeah, fair. Because like I, I got student nines one time yeah. and I was sitting next to a guy. And he was probably like 28 or 29, but he's like, yeah, I make a new account every year and just set my graduation date to like 2024. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. I, I, I will never, ever have a problem with people. No, because like, I'm going to do you know that I mean? yeah. when I'm not buying from SeatGeek. Like um, money, money's uh-huh, tight. Uh-huh. I don't got a problem with that. It's just a little depressing because there's a different atmosphere, those Student yeah. 9 tickets. Oh, yeah. No, you know Fenway I mean? is so electric. Like see, with all the kids. All the bleachers and, yeah. are packed with college yeah, kids. Yeah. A, yeah, this is a PG podcast, but they uh, they have a wonderful time out there. It's <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. Um, 
So here we go. Question number one. Um, just reflection on the catcher situation. Vasquez hasn't been a great, although we were talking about he's much, much better. Yeah. Um, and the touch on Ploiecki a little bit. Um, Ploiecki, I mean, I remember when we first got him, the dude just couldn't get out. He was he bad like 340 one year. Yeah. So that, I think, was kind of a, a fluke. I don't – I mean, he's a backup catcher for a reason. I love the guy for sure. But he has not really been too great this season for us. But also, again – he is a backup catcher. Like, yeah, the exp- tamper the expectation. Temper- so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but look, Christian Vasquez has been better of late. We talked about he's been batting 350 in the past week. So that's good for us. The catcher position o- across the league is not good. You don't get that too much. You don't get too much offensive production from that. Yeah. So Vasquez picking it up and being better in his last few games, I think, has been. Huge, like it's gotten him to a point where I'm okay with him. Yeah, and that's what you got to get from a catcher. You just got to be okay. You're yeah. really not expecting that. That there's very few guys that can be dynamic, like a, a really offensive relied on piece. Yeah. Um. um but I mean, when you talk about the defense, like he is incredible at throwing base runners out. We've talked about how he's gotten a little lazy with the one knee thing. Still, and missing some still pitches. kind of has, but it's exciting because he's been clutch as heck. Bad yeah, he is. has been. He's um, making up for it. Yeah. I want to see that game where Nathan Avaldi gave up five homers. Who was catching him? Okay, it was Plawecki. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Plawecki is a good pitch caller. He's a much better pitch caller than Vasquez is, but he's not as good defensively as Vasquez. And yeah. As of right now, Plawecki's just not really hitting. So to answer the question, I'm fine with the catcher situation right now. I don't think it's as uh, red alert, let's do something, as I was kind of making out to be earlier. Um, I think Vasquez has kind of... Pulled his weight a little bit better, so I'm not too alarmed with it. Plus, again, catching is just not really productive across the league from an offensive standpoint. So. It, it has only been a week, too. You want to see that consistency for Vasquez. The expectation needs to be that. Like, it needs to be yeah. like a total, like, give me like a 240, dude. Like, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? You just have to be mediocre. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Like, if you would be like 250, like, that would be dope. I don't even <laughs> care about the numbers. I just need Vasquez to be the situational hitter that he has been in the past. Yeah, yeah like exactly. He was always good to move a guy over. Situational That's, that's is all I want part. out of my catcher because he's at the bottom of the lineup. He just needs to turn it over. Yep. All right. Um, the next guy to get called up. Um, Duran, Bello, Cassis. Bello's funny. I haven't thought about him in actually months. So we talked again before this episode a little bit about uh, the new prospect rankings that came out, how Marcelo Mayer is number 10, um, Nick York's up there, Tristan Cassis is up there, and Brian Bayo is also up there towards like 84, but he's still good. Um, Bayo just got promoted to AAA. So I think it's going to take a little bit more time with him, plus he's still young and whatever. Forgot how to pronounce um, his name. That's so goofy. <laughs> you may not see Bayo this year. You, I doubt. I, I really don't think I'd be see. surprised if we saw him. Yeah. Um, Nick York you won't see still. Uh, Tristan Casas is interesting to me because first base is our weakness pretty clearly. Um, Franchi can platoon between the outfield and first base. It I would like be that cool. about Franchi. It'd be better if Casas was right-handed, so then you can kind of switch off between him and Franchi um, and replace Dahlbeck cleaner. But Dahlbeck, man. I don't see how <laughs> Casas isn't with the Red Sox at some point this year. He, I think he will be. And, um, like, right now there's no urgency for him. And I don't think we see you him can't really rush until – You can't. We probably don't see him until maybe July. Late summer, I'd say. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. – um, I feel like we'd see him in the dog days just to get a fresh, fresh bat in the lineup. And That's right fun. now, you got to ride out Franchi while he's hitting and playing well. You got to ride that out yeah, yeah, until yeah. he can't anymore. Um, One thing I'd like to say though is they have been um, friend of the show Ryan Fitzgerald. They've been using him at first base in AAA. They've been trying to get oh. him reps there at first base. That's um, interesting. They've like it's been reported that they're just preparing him. For the majors, I think not like see just testing it out. Like they want him to be a first baseman for us. Yeah, first base I, option for us. I think you would see him before Cassis. I think. Yeah, that's, I agree. You I would agree. definitely I think that see him. Is probably the most imminent move. I think that could be very soon. That's really exciting for us, ain't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially because Dahlbeck has been so bad still. So bad. My God. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. How can you be that big of a boy and just <laughs> like like I, you figure you could like bunt some power? <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. No. Disappointing. Seriously. seriously. I can't wait to roll back my preseason predictions, dude. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Dahlbeck. Yeah, he's Bobby. Been awful. Bobby really could yeah, use. 
some time in the woo. And I think they're kind of starting to realize that. So I honestly probably uh, within the next three weeks, I could definitely see Dahlbeck being sent down and Fitzgerald being called up. Oh, Dahlbeck being sent down within the next three weeks. I, I don't. Do you see another option? I don't. I don't see another option. I just hey, don't know if they're actually. The Sox good, finally came to their there. senses and sent down Brazier. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Bye bye, Ryan Brazier. <laughs> finally, see you later. That took them forever to do. I hope he doesn't come back like ever. But I'm glad that they actually had the awareness to see that he was bad and get rid of him. I was um, actually shocked when that happened. I yeah, didn't think too. they'd do it, but they yeah. did. You love to see it. Now the only other one that I'd love to see them do that I don't think they will is Matt Barnes. Um, the no, fact he, that they used him, staying. the he's fact staying. that they used him in a save situation the other day yeah. and he got the save isn't really great for. Yeah, it's a pretty clear hey, sign that they have a, faith. That's a good thing for Barnesy though, because he's maybe Whatever. you know maybe he's turning a page. Maybe he's all star, all star. Because you don't what? need him to be a closer. Remember, reliever. he was a good setup man. Eh, whatever. I will never like Matt Barnes. I don't care what you say. Yeah, but, that's um, fair enough. So this was funny. One of my followers was me- like message Ryan Brazier when he got sent down. Like, ha see you later. Have fun in AAA. Ryan Brazier respond to him. Don't worry, I'll be back with a kissy face. Um, I was, was skeptical that this was real that, for a while, but then was, he sent me a video of like his DMs, and it was there. <laughs> so I kind of believe. I it. I thought that was you. I thought that was you too. Okay, <laughs> good, because I was like, "Gosh, yeah, darn, Jason, like, you are well, mean." No, they, like that, that, that didn't make me feel very like that didn't make me feel very good. I thought that was <laughs> you. That's so funny. Okay, good. That's so that's awesome. Let's no, that's <laughs> whoever did that. Uh, I'm trying. No, I was trying to. Find, I'm trying to find his name. Nah, the boots yeah. ain't like that. So yeah. Brazier got sent down, and then this guy messaged him, and then Brazier's like, "I'll be back," and then with the laugh. Like, I hope to never see Ryan Brazier again. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Is just stay in Worcester, keep going down until you're just out of the league forever. I'm sorry, you're great. Stop Salem. You were great, Portland. Sorry, great 2018, <laughs> but you've just been god awful since then. I. Don't think you're that great of a guy either, so I hope to never see you again. It's pretty cool he responded to his DM. I I, uh, I sat in Fenway trying to get my friend a ball DMing every single Red Sox player. Like, please help me, please help me. I don't know. It was a, a futile effort, but it was fun. Anyway, yeah, it's cool when guys do that at least. But it's cool, but yeah, it's kind of funny. Bur- yeah, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> thoughts on trading most of our pitchers. I mean, we've, we've talked no, about No, they've our, been good. Yeah. We've Next question. Okay, this is a pet peeve of mine. When people are bad, everyone's just like, train them, train them. No one wants to trade for bad players. It's not how the sport works. Like yeah. they're like, uh, oh, Matt Barnes is bad. Trade him. Like who wants him? You can't just be like, oh, this guy's bad. I want to get rid of him. Because other teams are like, oh, that guy's bad. I don't want him. That's not how baseball works. You can't just be like, this guy's bad. See you. Trade him. That's funny. I hate that. <laughs> anyway, hate that. Um, <laughs> uh, same ex. <laughs> um, yeah, Dahlbeck. Trade him though. That's different. That's different. That's different because he's young. That's different. Yeah. So what? Yeah. yeah. When will? Different because he's been good. There's tons of potential there. It's different because that's someone you trade for a big body with potential, kind of that's been decent at a point. You also don't trade Bobby. No, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. I don't know anything. That's why you two are going to answer this question. Bobby could use a vacation. Uh, yeah. So I think a vacation is the best way to handle it. In the here I, and now. Like, yes. like a literal vacation. Like, take like two trading. weeks and just relax. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> don't even play baseball. I don't like trading young guys, especially young guys who were top prospects. Like, Bobby Dahlbeck is a guy who was our, like, number one, number two prospect. Yep. It's soon. Since he's been with us. Yep. So, I don't... I can't justify trading him. It just... I feel like it'd be a mistake. So, especially without trying to at least send him down to AAA first to work things out. Like, that you see a lot more around the league, especially with prospect-type guys, is you send them down to AAA and you let them kind of get their their bearing for what's going on again. Like, I think a good example is the Mariners, just very recently, their top prospect, Jared Klenick, they sent him down AAA. So I don't see why we can't do that. Um, I just feel like Bobby Dahlbeck has been good at the major league level, so you got that. He's been a top prospect, and he is super young still, so he is um, 26. So trading him just would be a mistake. I feel like. So I don't think that's the solution. But send him down. Send him a little vacation. I think. I think Relax. in here now, we send down to AAA is very logical yeah. and should be done. Soon. I don't think there's any reason to do it any later than today. Just do it today. Do it tomorrow before we get to Chicago. Like just kick him off the plane to be like, you're, no, you're going to Worcester, my friend. Yeah, a little home alone action. Yeah. <laughs> Accidentally send him on the wrong plane. That's funny. <laughs> um, 
next question. Uh, will Nate bounce back? And I don't know when this question. Yes, he I did. Got an answer for you. He did. Yeah, it already happened. Um, but let's talk about that for a second. Nathan Evaldi has been giving up a lot of homers. He's already matched his whole total for last year, two months into the season, which is kind of alarming. Um, he also, I believe... But it's also the only runs that he's giving up, which is... Which is definitely weird. Weird. Yeah, he's given up the most homers in Major League Baseball by three. So that's weird, especially last year he didn't give up a home run for a while yeah. into the season. So it's weird how that's flipped. Well, what is it? It's it's pitching approach. It's pitching philosophy. It's how risky you take with guys not on base. Because um, the the runs aren't like... It, aren't top of the league right it's just the home yeah. runs it's, it's yeah. so home it's, runs it's, stuff like that to me seems like it almost can be can be brained out of him does that make sense yeah, yeah it's I, I feel like it has to be missing more spots it I guess. is missing spots yeah, his era is 410 which is honestly not bad yeah not given that he gave up think. five home runs in an inning yeah. last week like a 410 era is just fine yeah um yeah so that one game is probably cute they, yeah. like i still trust nate with my life you, yeah. you still like, he, you again, deserve I saw this on MLB Network. Like, are you telling me that you're not going to give Nathan Navaldi the game, the ball in a playoff game? Yeah. Like, I absolutely still would. Yeah, fair. there's no question about it. Well, compared to the other guys in the roster, absolutely. I mean but, that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's <definitely laughs> do it also. Yeah. But I I don't know what it is specifically. I guess it's just not executing pitches when you need to, um, and the pitch mix. I'm trying to look at some of the the homers he gave up against the Astros in that game. I got a Budweiser ad here. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, it rap? looks like he's just missing his spots. He's mitch- missing where the catcher's putting his glove. So there's not a whole lot you can do about that except execute better. It reminds me of when Chris Sale came back, um, I guess from Tommy John. I don't know. But he started, like, striking guys out a lot and also giving up a lot of homers, but not really allowing runs and hits other than the homers. That kind of feels like what's happening with Nate Evaldi now. Um, I might have mentioned this before, but I think that also comes out comes along with trying to get more strikeouts. He had 11 strikeouts in his last start, so he clearly is trying. I don't know if he's trying to, but he's he's no, becoming I think more you can of a say strikeout that. pitcher. Yeah, you can say that. He's he's probably is trying to. <laughs> yeah, so I think allowing homers kind of comes with that because either guys are going to miss your stuff or they're going to hit it, and that's what happens when you you're yep. throwing pitches in the zone. Well, that's kind of what I mean. It well, almost seems like approach here. can be changed. So that's probably yeah, why maybe. he's trying to get those strikeout numbers. Everyone up. talks about his stuff, and they're like, how is he not more of a strikeout guy with his kind of stuff? So uh-huh. it makes sense, so maybe that's what it is. And if that's the case, I think that the homers will kind of slow down and stop as the season gets long, like as we get into the season more, and he kind of gets more of a feel for his stuff and, and kind of spots his pitches better and gets kind of into a rhythm. I'm not concerned about it. Nope. I'm not. All right. Yeah. Um, I really like this next question. Um, do we think Bloom is going to overestimate the team and not look for help uh, because of the hot streak and not look for help? Um, and that's <laughs> that something is something they would do. <laughs> well, that's yeah. something I'm really worried about, and that was kind of my point when it comes to sale. You almost overestimate what you can get out of him, and therefore it lowers your inhibitions to go get someone else or to go fix it in other ways. Um, you really have to temper your expectations with this hot streak, um, but also it. It depends on how the team sees itself, you know, yeah. here yeah. going on. So go get help, like, is different if you're going to try and go win a World Series well, this year. I you mean, know, you, so can be, you can be playing well and still have clear gaps, which I think is true for the team right now. Like, I don't see how Bloom or anyone in the Red Sox organization can look at the bullpen and be like, yeah, we're fine. Like, that that's a, a playoff bullpen. Like, I think that you have to kind of have the awareness to see that the closing spot has been a problem. Everyone knows it. ESPN, MLB Network, newspapers, journalists, everyone talks about that. It's a very well-known fact that that is our biggest issue. We haven't had one in four years. So I'd like to imagine that they'd have the intelligence to just not keep ignoring that. Yeah. Like, Heim Bloom is a smart guy that should be able to realize that that's an issue and go out there and do something to solve it. Like, I I, I don't think that they're going to overreact to a hot stretch in the sense that, like, yeah, we're, it's a hot stretch, but we're still not a 500 team, and we're still fourth in the, the division. So if we were on a crazy hot streak and we were first in the division, then I could see that. be like They could be like, oh, we got a great team. Like, why are we going to add to this? Like, we didn't think we were going to be that good. Like, look at this in first place. I think being a fourth-place team, they're going to have to add to this team to kind of have any shot at, like, a, a good playoff run. Because, like... 
I, I think it's it's pretty certain that they're trying to be a playoff team. They're not trying to tank. Yeah. Like, they went out and signed Trevor Story. Yeah. They've been competitive in terms of, like, been in on, like, big-name players and stuff. So it seems like they're going for it. So if you're going for it and you're sitting in third, fourth place, you're going to go out and get guys. Like, that's kind of the primary team that goes out and trades for guys, the team that's kind of fringe on the line of being really competitive and just being a first-round wild-card exit or something like that. So... I'd like to imagine they're not going to overreact. I'd like to imagine that they over or they react properly to what they need. Yeah. Did you see how hype time was after the Grand Slam yesterday? I did see that. He was fired up, and I love to see that. I you love to see when it. people in positions of leadership in an organization care about their team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other uh, the the high high ups in this Red Sox organization don't give me that faith. They no, no. After that walk off Grand stuff, Slam, so. John Henry just looked at the bottom line to see if sales went up. On yeah, exactly. Fr- on, or check see, if, yeah. see how his soccer team is yeah. doing or yep. whatever it is. You know, the what Penguins. I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Good Penguins. Point. Anyway, um, the last question is who should be our closer? But I think we we. So let's talk about that. If yeah. like. If we don't go out and trade for someone, if we don't do the Garrett Whitlock or Chris Sale closing spot, out of the guys that we currently have, no one is named a closer. Is there anyone among them that we could be coming to being like, okay, that guy's our closer, we're good now, at least for the short term? Well, that's what it starts with. You have to name a guy as your closer. So I don't that, care who it is, just name someone. Yeah, because it, it, like being a closer is a routine-oriented thing. Like You have to know when you're coming in the game. It's a lot different than when you have a bunch of different guys because the ninth inning is completely different than any other inning. Like you can put you can put in whatever bullpen pitcher for whatever inning, but the whole thing changes when it's the ninth inning and you have to get the final three outs. But if you name a guy, everyone in the bullpen knows who it is. That guy knows their role. Everyone else in the bullpen knows their role, and it just really it it adds structure, and that's what you need. And I think. Uh, you have two guys. You have Schreiber, who you could give a shot. I think the sample size isn't big enough quite yet, but maybe down the road. And then Robles. I still trust him. Um, I'm he's definitely a good option. And then there's also Strom. Thank you. Yes. Strom <laughs> has been your best reliever all year. Um, I I don't see why you don't give him a shot. I think I mentioned it last episode. I just want to double down that Matt Strom is my pick for closer because he has like the, the super relaxed energy. Like, I feel like closers are two types of guys. You have the, the crackhead who's going to go out there and rip your throat out, and you have the super relaxed guy who looks like nothing phases him ever. And I feel like that's what Matt Strom is, the second one. And so that's why I like – and again, he's been really, really good for us this year. He's been one of our best relievers. Um, to speak to, like, the power of just naming a guy as a closer and having someone know that that's their role and what that does for someone, I think a good example is the closer on the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano. He's kind of always been in his career a guy who's been, um, like he's he's just been a reliever. Like he hasn't been like the closer. Twenty twenty one when they <laughs> named him as the closer, he converted twenty three out of twenty four save opportunities, and had a two fourteen ERA. So I think that's kind of an example of what that does. Um, you look at all different guys around the league. When you name them as the closer, they kind of have a new energy to what they're doing out there on the mound. Like the, uh, There's a difference between being a relief pitcher and a closer. A relief pitcher is just trying to bridge innings together. A closer is trying to shut down the game. And when you have that title to you, it's just different. The analytics can't show the importance of a closer. Yeah. yeah, they can't show the pressure that the ninth inning holds. and It's a completely different game. And another, another thing that gives me confidence is... Um, if you remember in the offseason, the Sox were were heavily tied to uh, Kenley Jansen. Yeah. And I think we finished runner-up for him. But it kind of shows that, you know, they're aware of the closer situation. So maybe they know. In, in a mu- you know, in six week, six to eight weeks when the when trade season comes along, you know, hopefully they're interested in closers and they pull the trigger on one. Uh, what about Daniel Bard? Bringing him back from the Rockies, that would maybe? be really interesting. I don't, but I feel like <laughs> I feel I like that's the best option. I, I be feel cool. like Daniel Bard, just for his own sanity, should probably stay far, far away from Boston. Oh, for sure. I think he's good up there in the in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I don't. I'm looking at kind of trade targets. I don't really know anyone. Um. 
Oh, Emmanuel Class A from the Guardians. I feel like they 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 wouldn't trade him. How if old they is did, he? He's twenty four. So yeah. Yeah. But that's a topic for way down the line. Yeah. We'll get to that. But please get a closer. Because closer. Something oh like yeah. That. For and for all of you people who don't understand how trades work in baseball, <laughs> no one gets traded in May. Yeah. Okay. P- teams aren't going out and making trades in May or even June. Like when you you see them once in a blue moon. And especially with this Red Sox front office, not happening. It's not even happening. It's not going to happen until at least a week after the All-Star break, which would be a week before the trade deadline. It, it, like nothing is going to happen. You're not going to have you're not going to go out and trade for a closer next week. Not yeah, going to happen. No. It's literally going to be a last second deal on July 31st. Which is why it's important to name a closer internally now because you can't just hold out until then until you may or may not get a closer. Name one now and it will do a lot for your team. I wish I could just make them do that because I think they should that trade would help us a lot. Another target would be David Bednar. I was looking at that, I don't. He doesn't have a track record though. He's just kind of been, yep, whatever. But I, he's on the Pirates, <laughs> so you could probably trade like a, a bag of rocks for him. Um, yeah. All right. Yep. Anything else we want to touch on about the Sox? Um, no? Yeah, real quick. Do you remember how we ended last episode? Nope. We said we <laughs> did. We didn't even care if the Sox. Won games or made the playoffs. We have just fun. wanted to have yes. fun watching the games. Yes. And not only have... The Sox have gone above and beyond since our last episode because yeah. not only have we been having fun, we've been having the most fun watching the Sox in a very long time. The fun meter's off the charts. It, Way it, too long. It's broken. It's broken. Yep. Trevor like, Story broke it. Yep. <laughs> so, the you know... The boys just want to have fun... These guys like like <laughs> stringing together all these wins in a row, it, it, like that's a huge plus. But like, the games are just fun to watch right now, just because the vibes are high, the energy's high, everyone's having a good time, and it, I I appreciate it a lot. We talked about how they've been like losing games in the worst ways imaginable, like to experience. Like they weren't getting blown out; they were blowing leads and losing by one. They were losing games the worst way imaginable. I feel like we're winning games the most fun way imaginable. Yeah. Like, Nick Pavetta, nine innings. Franchi Carrera, walk-off grand slam. Trevor Story, a three-homer game. Like, that's just so fun. <laughs> and that's just not, like, that's not how you normally win games. Like, it's it's been a very up-and-down Red Sox season. Um, but I, yeah, fun meters off the charts. I've been having a blast watching the Sox lately, and I really hope that they keep this up. I I think that the warm weather has kind of helped it. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. What? Um, can <laughs> I shout myself out on the podcast? Yeah. Yo, NCR Rugby Tournament New Orleans this weekend. If you see UMass playing, um, hopefully you'll see me. It's b- going to be on TV. What's your fun fact for the broadcast? My fun fact for the broadcast is Encyclopedia of Wu-Tang quotes. Do you want to fade out with me rapping Wu-Tang? Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> go Sox. Go Celtics. Oh we'll yeah. Go Celtics. Time. Win. Win. All right. All right. <laughs> Champion gear that I rock to get your boots knocked and attack you like a pimp that locks shit down. Cause I'm here to freak the style hardcore, like giving you more and more. Like ding. Not sure to get you open like six packs. Killer bees attack. Flipping what? Murder on fat tracks. I I, I dig it like a night flight. Yo, uh, you should fade out by then. <laughs> Got it. We out. <laughs> <laughs>